Hello, everyone, and welcome to Romance at a Glance. I'm your host, Bridget. This is Authors at a Glance. Today, we have a very exciting author interview. We have a debut novelist, and she's coming at us with a wonderful book today. It is called Sorry. And it is about an Armenian woman who is bisexual and she's constantly being talked about. And everyone's like, when are you going to get married? When are you going to get married to a man? And she's like, hey, what if I want to marry a woman? So this is the journey of how she falls in love. Colleen talked about her own Armenian American experience. She talked about writing in her own voice, her own stories, how this was the first book she had written where she actually talked about her own culture and her own experience and how that really set the set the scene in the background. Um, and you guys, I read the book. I thought it was lovely. And this interview was lovely. So welcome to 2023. We're back at you. And here we are with Authors at a Glance. Let's get it popping. Romance at a glance. Uh-huh. Romance at a glance. What you saying Romance at a glance. Go ahead, girl. One thing when your book got sent to me by your publisher that I was excited about is, first of all, I thought the cover was just so pretty. And... I don't always get seduced by covers. Sometimes I do. And I, as everyone knows on this podcast who listens, I am historically not a fan of an animated illustrated cover. However, I loved like the sunset colors. <laughs> I was like very seduced. Um, and then I read the description and I was excited because I don't feel like we get that many um books from publishers that are about a queer female female MCs. I feel like uh we occasionally get some that are male male more usually though it's more in the indie space that we're reading those novels so i was really excited about that like how did your sort of publishing journey come about how did this book like had you written it a long time ago did you write it in a flurry how did it happen yeah this one was pretty quick i wrote it uh started july 2020 of the pandemic (laughs) so it was that summer and uh i i spent like any extra little time i had writing this and it was a furious Right. I mean, I wrote it in about four and a half months, the first draft, which for me is very fast. I'd been pretty slow before then. Um, so that happened. And then I applied to author mentor match. That was the thing. I had a deadline, which has been so helpful. It was so helpful to me and still continues to be like, I need to write to a deadline. Otherwise I'll write forever. Uh, so I tried to get into author mentor match and I did, and I got paired up with the amazing, the incredible Jesse Q Sutanto, uh, who wrote dial a for aunties. So, um, um, she helped me out a ton. And from there I edited for about another month and I went into the query trenches and it worked out for me. It worked out pretty well. And I got matched up with Caitlin Detweiler, who is just incredible. And I love her. So it was, it was that one, that part was easier. Everything before that was not. <laughs> Wait, so what is the mentor match? How does that work? Oh yeah. Author mentor match is, is lovely. It is a mentoring program, but there's no um, showcase or any agent portion of it. It just matches you up with a, um, a author, a published author. So they read your manuscript, they give you notes, they give you any, if you want like ideas on how to edit, Jesse actually changed my editing game before I always hated editing. I thought it was this endless process of like never knowing if you're making your book worse or not but she really out she gave me her process and it's so simple and so but I would have never thought of it um and it has made editing kind of even may I say fun for me like going forward so that's been great so before that though you were already writing articles and writing other stuff so have you been like a lifelong writer are you someone who picked it up in adulthood 
Yeah, I've been writing since I was like five. I have these stories and, you know, looking back, there are always commercial stories like princess school, princess adventure and like other things where they're thrown out into, I don't know, a forest or whatever and have to find their way back home. Um, and uh, so I'd always been writing those kinds of things. And then in high school, I wrote a little more and in college, I took a couple writing classes, uh, but I never really tried to seriously write a novel, like sit down, buckle down, do it, finish it and learn and also unlearn what I, I thought I knew how to do. So around 2015 is when I, 2016, I started saying like, you know what, I'm going to write a romance novel. I have this great idea. Um, like I, I feel like romance has really good uh, structure and things you're supposed to do. And I need that. That really helps me. And I love this idea I had too. So I started writing it. It was a really good first try. Um, didn't quite work. I queried it a little. It was okay. I did okay, but I, I, it was not the one. Like I, I even could tell. And then I wrote a second book and it was a women's fiction novel. I didn't even query it because I thought this is also not the one. Um, I took a little break for a while. I had a kid. Uh, I wrote a lot of short pieces and a couple got published, which you may have seen. Um, and I, I really enjoy doing that too. I love writing essays. I love writing flash fiction. So but I've always wanted to be a novelist. <laughs> my dream is to walk into a bookstore and see my book. And I cannot believe that's going to happen in a couple months. Oh my God. It's, it's gotta be like the craziest thing. We've talked to some authors and some who've published, you know, they have 50 books on the shelf and some who it's their first book. Um, and like unilaterally all of them said, like the first time you see your book in a bookstore or anytime you round the corner and there's your book, it's just like the craziest, coolest feeling in the world. I can't wait. I can't wait. (laughs) Are you uh, more of a book buyer or a, like a browser? So like I would consider myself a browser. I will go browse Barnes and Noble, browse an indie bookstore. I might buy one thing and then I will go to my local library and get like all the books. Uh, cause my reading habit is like, I'm not rich enough to support my reading. (laughs) I would get that. I, I'm absolutely a book browser. I feel like I love going to a bookstore looking through it. It's like a bath, like a book bath almost. Mm-hmm. It's like cleansing in some way. Um, and I'm very odd about my book reading. Like I need to buy one book at a time. I noticed I, for a little while, I bought a couple more and I just wouldn't read them. And I don't like doing that. And it feels like it's weighing on me. So I'm very odd about that. So I browse, I love, I like read descriptions. I'm really into it, but I won't purchase it a lot of the time um, until uh, until I'm ready to read though. That's changed a little now that I have a lot of, uh, book, you know, author friends and I want to help them mm-hmm. improve their books and, you know, support them in that way. And, um, uh, so now I have a little bit of to be read pile, but I'm like, I try and read them as quickly as possible. As soon as they get home, like that's the one that I read. I'm the same way. I'm a mood reader. So when I buy a book, like I want to sit down, like I want to purchase the book and immediately read it either while drinking hot cocoa at the bookstore or while eating at a lunch spot nearby or at my house in my comfy spot. Like I don't want there to be any pipeline of time in between the purchasing of the story I want to like dive into. And so I'm the same. If I get like four or five books, unless they're in the same series, Mm -hmm. like a lot of times there'll be one book that now I'm not in the mood to read anymore. So now that book gets kind of like pushed to the side. And especially now that I get sent books, like, like you said, I'm getting sent books from authors or publishers and stuff. And sometimes I'm like, Oh, I really wanted to read that six months ago. And now that it's here, I'm like, Oh shoot, I have to read it (laughs) because it's going out. It's like a really weird problem to add. Like I wanted to get all these books and I do, which is lovely. Um, And also 
it goes against my nature as a reader. So it's, it's, a, it's a tricky problem, but Yeah, I know. A little balance there. <laughs> You're from the San Francisco area. Did you grow up there as well? I did. I grew up here just south of San Francisco, and now I'm in San Francisco proper. I've lived here my entire life in the Bay Area, except for one year in Chicago, which I loved. And I can talk about Chicago a lot. But um, so I'm a Bay Area person. Yeah. Bay Area I am from Chicago. I'm from Chicago. Um, I love Chicago also. And I lived in LA for like 10 years. Um, And we would go up to San Francisco pretty often to see my sister and some of my husband's relatives. So um, I love the food there too. There's such good food. And I would always go and we'd be like, okay, we got to go to Chubby Noodle. We have to get dim sum. We have to go. (laughs) We structure structure our entire vacation based on like, which spots in town are we going to eat that have the best food that we can't get in LA right now? Yeah. Um, so when you like set this book very like deeply in the Armenian culture, obviously like modern Armenian culture, but when you were doing that, was that something that just like always was a part of it in your mind? Like I want to bring the culture into rom-coms. Yeah. Before this book, what's odd is that I never thought I could write about my Armenianness. So strange. Cause it's been such a like he- heavy, like integral part of who I am. And I just, pushed that away for all those years. I talked about my princess adventures and all the other flash fiction and essay writing, even like nonfiction, you know, personal essay memoir. I just thought, no, I'm not going to write about the Armenian experience there. Um, even though it's like, clearly, you know, you probably should, I probably should have done that. And then I, I, for, I don't know why I thought I should, but it was, it was just a conversation I heard in my head. Like when I thought about um, uh, this book, I heard the conversation between two women and one of them, being like very flippant, being like, oh, can we just have one conversation with Armenians without bringing up their Armenian genocide? And the other woman like gently correcting her and telling her why. And I thought, oh, I want to write this book. And, and how that turned into a rom-com, I, I'm, you know, I'm not sure, but I really, I, I did want this book from the start was steeped in Armenianness, I guess. And I think I was just finally ready to open the gates, floodgates, and let all the Armenianness flow out after like keeping it bottled up for, for so long. And it, it really is like a very Armenian American diaspora, like Bay Area Armenian um, experience book. Um, and I think that's what, that's what one of the things I love the most about it. And I, I'm happy to hear that readers are responding about it, uh, responding to that and learning about Armenians, which they hadn't a lot in a lot of cases didn't know a lot about them before yeah and as I mean as a reader I would say like the more sort of specific a book can get and like the richness that can be put in like I'm always about that because like you've read a lot of books that are feel the same so whenever you can find one that you're like learning but also I mean I appreciate a rom-com because you know learning about the Armenian genocide in the textbook is really heavy because it's a very heavy topic, but learning about it, you know, sort of in amongst where like the family's talking and the generations are sort of like gently squabbling about like, Oh, not again. You know, like that's, that for me makes it like, I learn about it, but also I get to, uh, I get to enjoy the culture as it is and not just think about the, you know, obviously the genocide and like the horrific things you get to also appreciate the food and the laughter and like, you know, every, Every, almost every sort of immigrant culture that I know or have read about or have friends in has like the parents who are like, but who will you marry? But where, where, when will you be married? Oh, that's lovely. You have a career. So cute. Where, who is it? Who will be your husband? <laughs> I will find you a husband. It will happen today. And I, and I, and I thought like setting it with, you know, 
your sort of main MC being bisexual was really cool because her parents are always like, where's your husband? And it's like, they theoretically could be saying like, let's find you a husband or wife. Let's get you married to someone. But they don't even like, that's not even in their consciousness that that could be a choice. Exactly. Yeah. When it would not even be on, on the radar, um, that, that, that is, that is a thing that could happen. Um, yeah. So that, that was, that it was, easy for me to write and now that the book's out in the world it's kind of like oh well that now now cats out the bag for me too i guess <laughs> to my family you know and friends in the community at large it's been a little like they ask me oh what's your book about oh my gosh you're getting a book published what's it about i kind of take a deep breath i'm like all right let's do this <laughs> and see you know what they're gonna say because even if the community is um, uh, like a southern community here uh, is accepting it's more it's always with a little bit of surprise to like oh like that's you know outside the that's different like very different than you know my writing world and <laughs> what I see on Twitter my in real life world is still a little not scandalized but like always surprised <laughs> by um, by uh, what my what my book is about so that that's been interesting too but it's been good also because it it's opening other people's eyes in a very like gentle way. Like here's this fun book about, you know, uh, bisexuality in the Armenian community. Yeah. And about falling in love. And like yeah. at the end of the day, it's like, it's hard to hate out a book. That's about two people falling in love. You know, <laughs> it's hard to, it's hard to be like, well, that's disgusting that two people are happy. Like, wow, that's a stuff, you know, like it's a subtle way to like, I, like you said, ease, ease people's eyes. Like, Oh, this is an option. This is a possibility. Wow. Um, I especially loved the, the scene where they are, she's just interviewed her. This is very early. You guys are not spoiling anything. She's just interviewed her and she's trying to like subtly, trying to subtly be like, not just come out and say I'm bisexual, but also kind of subtly like, Oh, I, I might, I wish I could do some pride articles this month. <laughs> like She's trying to like subtly throw some, like some keywords out, you know, like, Hey, uh, Hey, I don't want to tell you for real, but just so yeah. you know, wink, wink. I, know so I know she, so she so awkward about it too, which I just like uh, reveled in the awkwardness of it because mm-hmm. NAR is a very femme uh, by, by woman and, you know, is a reporter. So she looks even more like this, like modeled, like, you know, version of what we imagined feminism is, you know, in the West. And mm-hmm. so she's like, okay, I really gotta, gotta drop these hints. <laughs> she's not very good at no. it, but she does. Yeah. I take, it takes her a long time to really like hit it home just to be much less subtle later, which I also appreciate. It's such an interesting thing that like I, I've always been straight. And so for me, it's, it's such an interesting thing to think about when I've met, you know, male people that I'm interested in. I sort of generally assume, unless I already know that they're going to also be straight and potentially interested in me. They might not be, but like potentially. Um, and it's such an interesting thing to think that like, you really have to like kind of bring it up earlier. So like if I was to meet someone and flirt with them, I would just flirt with them and like not. Whereas like if I was to meet a woman, I have to kind of be like upfrontly like, Hey, I am interested in women. And also you, <laughs> are you interested in women and pos- not necessarily me, just women in general. So I can flirt with you or, you know, like it's such an interesting to think of, uh, the sort of like the code switching of like, Oh, when she, you know, goes out to a bar and is looking for, she sort of assumes all the dudes in there are going to be interested in her because that's sort of the dominant, uh, heterosexuality. So it, it's very, I liked the way you did it. Cause it, it kind of made me think like, Oh, that that's like such a tricky balance of not making someone else feel uncomfortable, but also trying to say, 
hey, if you are interested in women, I too would flirt with you. <laughs> yes, especially because in the beginning, it might be feeling like they're, you know, becoming friends. And so mm-hmm. maybe I would be, you know, uh, worried that if she put the vibes out there, maybe Yerbuni would, you know, uh, be turned off by that or something, you know, j- just mm-hmm. in case. Uh, most women wouldn't, but you know, there's that thing of like, oh, if you're not interested, it's okay. We could be friends. Don't worry. <laughs> that, right. that thing you have to backtrack <laughs> that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're not. It's okay. We can just be best friends. That's fine. Um, which is true. I mean, I, I firmly believe people of any sexual orientation can be friends. Totally. To, with someone that they're attracted to, I don't think it's a big deal. But uh, it is. And I also like that you know going back to the surprise like a few of the times like when she's like they're hugging hello or they like oh i'll walk you out no one's like if that was a man walking out a woman they'd be like all gossipy at twitter but because they're both females they like everyone's just like okay bye and doesn't even think of it And it's kind of like a weirdly covert way that they get to spend these moments together Yeah, there's something I really in, enjoy about it, too, that it's not you have the guessing for me is fun, part of the fun. And I hope I brought, you know, some of that out in the book is that um, it almost like extends that nervous anticipation of like, um, is this going to work? Is it not going to work? Do they like me? Do they not? Would they even like me? Like, is that even in their ability, in their range? Uh, you know, that whole part. It kind of gets extended as Nara's sort of guessing in her head and trying to drop hints and trying to pick up on any hints. So, um, yeah, I tried to have fun with that. I guess when you're when you're thinking of it as like a, a I don't want to like ruin the conclusion, although, guys, it's a romance novel, obviously, <laughs> fall in love, but um, like when you're thinking through sort of the beats of them going through it, how did you decide like how much of sort of it not being part of the, you know, historical culture? Um and maybe their family pushing back. Like, how did you decide how much of that would come into the relationship or into, you know, their family or the community's approval or disapproval of their relationship? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, this book could have definitely ended in a different way. Uh, I mean, maybe I'll say spoiler alert for next minute. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I could in, in many cases, unfortunately in the Armenian American community and in the Armenian community. And I could talk about that also a little bit. Um, the parents won't accept it in the end. And it's not a happy family ending. Like maybe you'll, you know, be able to have, you know, go pursue the romantic relationship you want. You say, you know what, family too bad. I'm going to do this. And the family is not okay with it. And I just couldn't, do that in this book. Like we, we have that narrative. I think, I think I've, I've seen that narrative more. Um, and I wanted to do, I wanted to write one where the, you know, it's not like the parents or the mom, you know, rushes with open arms. They're like, Oh, fantastic. Cause that doesn't feel realistic to me. It, it, it doesn't, but I wanted one that did feel realistic, realistic, but was still happy. I couldn't give the relationship a happy end and not the family a happy end in this book. I just, I just couldn't. Um, to me, that was almost still part of happily ever after is the family is too. I don't know, just because family is so such a deep part of Armenian culture. And so maybe that doesn't, you know, represent a lot of families, but I wanted to just give this hope to, you know, Armenian readers that it could, it could be like this. Um, and to let's for once read like a happy a story with a happy ending about Armenianism, Armenian uh, queer culture too. So that's that's why I decided to go 
that route. And first of all, it's raw man's novel, so it's like that would be such a, <laughs> a, a real kick in the teeth after a rom com to be yeah. at the end. Um, I think I, I personally, the re, you know, one of the reasons I love the genre so much is that there is so much real life things that are shitty in romance, like relationships where people lose their families or they lose their friends or, or, or they have to suppress that side of themselves to stay in their community or in their family. And I think the beautiful thing about like art is that you can have, you can show an example of a way that it could happen. And then that can give people hope and comfort and happiness um, in a way that, you know, you, you're not going to get that from like a real life story necessarily. Sometimes you will, but not necessarily. And, and, and really in, in a way it was uh, for written for me, you know, originally you don't think like, Oh, I'm going to publish this book. Like is for the audience of one or, you know, two, I say sometimes I wrote it for my sister because we always used to write stories together. So for, for me writing this and giving it this happy ending was almost for myself. Like I, thought I, you know, I, I love my family and I want to imagine this scenario where I could come out to them and everything is okay in the end. Like maybe it's not perfect at first, but it ends up, it ends up being okay. So it was almost just, you know, this comfort for, for myself too. And I hope that, you know, that extends past me and uh, to other readers. Um, you were talking about the something about Armenian culture versus American Armenian culture. Can you talk a little bit about those differences? So the, I know that the Armenian American diaspora, a, a lot of us, especially, you know, we're, we feel a lot more privileged. We don't have to worry about war. We don't have to worry about in, in Armenia. Um, I, I, I almost don't want to speak for it too much because I'm not, I don't have any relatives there. My family is not from Armenia proper. They're from Western Turkey and they got driven out by the genocide. We're in Lebanon. So it's a very different experience. So I know more of the Lebanese Armenian experience, but I do know that in general, like for instance, not to bring this down too much, but it is important. I want to mention it that just recently, a couple weeks ago, two Armenian gay men um, came out or, or I don't know if they were actually came out or were, you know, forced out and their families were so, and community was so unsupportive that they actually jumped off a bridge together and committed suicide. And is oh it like, rocked, I know. And it rocked the whole community. We were all, you know, thinking about them and just thinking about how, you know, how, how awful that is that you feel so, uh, you know, little support that, you know, you go to that end and not saying it can't happen here in America, but I think it's even a much deeper problem in, in Armenia. And I think it, it is in some communities here, the more insular Armenian communities um, that are um, still trying to uh, hold on to tradition more, which I believe Armenian communities do because we're so scared for our survival as a culture. And I think one of the things you do is, stay traditional, you know, total line, do everything the way you're quote unquote supposed to do. Um, so I, I see why people think that way, but when it, you know, extends to that level of um, lack of support and um, hurting people like that, uh, you know, obviously that's awful, not great. Yeah. Yeah. And then in America, like, because not everyone is Armenian, you know, people could make a choice where they're like, okay, well, I might lose my Armenian family, but then be accepted by maybe like an American family or a gay community that is not Armenian. Um, There are more choices here. Right. Versus there. It's like, obviously they felt very hopeless and and like, there's no other choice, Mm -hmm. which is Mm -hmm. really sad, Um, which is definitely something that obviously still happens here. But I think, hopefully as a, as a culture, we're moving away from that. Yeah. Um, ever happening. 
Um, I did travel in Eastern Turkey and we went all, me and my friend did, this was uh, in 2010. So it was a long time ago. Um, but we did, I think we spent three or four weeks in Turkey together because she had studied Turkish in school. So we went all the way to, to the Eastern side of Turkey. Oh, we're wow. like the only Americans there. We, you know, we were like, we're both like traveled a lot. So we, you know, of course we're not dressed in like tank tops or anything. We were wearing, you know, basically we like looked around saw what everyone else was wearing and just like tried to replicate that as best as we could from our luggage. Um, but we did go to the, they were on like a little tour in, in Eastern Turkey and they took us to the border and you could like, they could like see the guards would like wave across the border to each other across the river. And we were like, Hey, wow. Um, so you saw into Armenia from there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You're which just was like, like a, which was like a very, you know, one thing I think is always so interesting when you go to borders like that is that for the most part, the ones I've been to, like, the, the people who are guarding on either side aren't like yelling mean things to each other. They're kind of just like, hey, I see you. How's it going? You <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> you know, like, because there's, because like, you know, I feel like individual people are less likely to like hate versus like a collective, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was beautiful. It was a beautiful country and the food was wonderful and the people were, people were great. So. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. I have not been to that part of Turkey where my, my family was from and I would, I would love to go. I would love to go one day. That's so cool to hear that. So I didn't realize there was such a big Armenian community in San Francisco also. Yeah. It's not as big as LA. LA takes the cake. Glendale. I don't know if you. Yeah. yeah. Glendale. Yeah. There's like a parade and there's all these restaurants and stuff. Oh, I know. Yeah. Little Armenia. It's so great. I actually want to set a future book there. I have it in, in my mind. I have the outline actually. I just got to do it. I need to go visit again to immerse myself in, in the world. But um, in, in San Francisco, there's a pretty good community. There's an Armenian school here, which I went to. And I think the school and, and also the church to, to another extent too, um, brings a lot of the community together, does a lot of the events. So it's not huge, but it's, but it's pretty sizable enough that there's always pretty much always something going on every, every weekend or every other weekend, some kind of Armenian event is, is happening in the Bay area. That's awesome. Are, did you go to Armenian like grade school and high school or is it, or is it more like a weekend or after school sort of thing? Yeah, it was grade school until eighth grade. So it was like my full school. Um, in the beginning, it's immersive where it's in Armenian instruction, um, everything. And then uh, once you hit like first grade, you get two hours of Armenian instruction a day, but the rest is in English from there. So it's still very closely, you know, you still stay very connected to your culture. And I mean, this school, I, I just love it. it. It truly is like family. Not only did you know everyone's parents, you knew their grandparents and they were all involved in the school. Uh, it, it was there is nothing yeah nothing like it that's awesome it's like being in a village in a big city yeah that's awesome felt like because that. that's one thing that like totally so when you're dating people as like a, a younger person you know everyone's family you know their sisters or brothers you know, you know everything about them um yes. and then i remember when i went to college and i was dating someone and i felt like it was so weird that i didn't know his parents and yes. I didn't know his siblings. Like, I thought it was like the strength. Like, it's almost like, I don't know you. Like, I don't know this big piece of you. Um, yeah. And eventually, you know, eventually I met his parents and he met mine and stuff. But like, I, I just thought it was the weirdest. It was like, and when I met my husband, I met his, it was like important to both of us to, like, I met his family, like 
a few weeks after we started dating. And like, as soon as my parents came in, they met him right away. Cause I, again, I was like, well, you have to know my, my people, you have to know me, you have to know, you know, how we get together, what we laugh, what we do, what we eat. Like that's so important to who we are. Yes. Um, For some people, it really is like the full context of the person, you know, like for when you're closer to family or whatnot, it's like, I I gotta know. And you gotta know me too. I get that. That's cool. I also like my husband's family's Korean. Um, and I feel like, I don't know that we would do Korean because my husband doesn't even speak Korean fluently, even though he's first generation, but, um, much to his parents dismay, but, uh, um, for our kids, like I would love to do something like they were in Montessori, you know, like preschools and stuff. But like, I think that would be so cool to have them be so fluent and so, and their friends as well. So that they, cause like, you know, if you're only talking with your parents, that's one thing, but if you're also hanging out with your friends and speaking it, um, I feel like it would stick a lot better and then you would end up, you know, I don't know, liking it more. And, and, you know, cause like if it's just your parents who are trying to get you to speak it, I would have like my husband, like, you're like, well, why don't you speak English? We're in America. But if all your friends also speak it and speak with you, then it's more like, oh, this is a cool thing that we do together. Not just my parents are forcing me. Yes. And it's a little bit of a secret language too. When you go out, especially if you speak a less uh, like Armenian, not a lot of people know it. So we have, <laughs> we could go anywhere and just be speaking Armenian. <laughs> no one knows what we're talking about. It's great. <laughs> yes. I mean, I loved having a secret language, like, mm-hmm. you know, pig Latin or any of the other weird ones that we would <laughs> no. try to make. I'm like, that was the best. You just like, I would have loved to have. Armenian. That would have been so fun when you are like writing in the future, cause do you, you still, I think on your website it says you still work full time. Yes, I, I, I do. Uh, but now I am consulting so I could choose my hours a little oh, bit. Awesome. And when I'm on the deadline, I can pull back a little and, and write. I, cause I just, I have to, but yes. Uh, so luckily not full time, full time, hardcore tech job anymore. <laughs> that was the past. Yeah. <laughs> as you go more into like, this is your first book that's about to be published in January. As you go like sort of into it, are you hoping to write like one book a year? Are you, have you thought about that? Yeah, I would love to write one book a year while I'm still like uh, working and needing to work. I think one book is the most I could do. I would love to do two. Um, but I, I keep having ideas and I keep outlining them. And this this you know, I feel a lot of confidence now in being able to write a rom-com like the, my second book I wrote also pretty quickly. And, um, so I think for, for rom-coms, I, I feel them now. I enjoy doing them. I love doing it. And I can, I think I could definitely write one a year. I think if I go outside the genre, another book I'm thinking of is, um, almost like women's fiction with mystery elements, um, <clears throat> a little tougher cause I'm, I'm not as used to it. And especially the mystery aspect, Woo, I bound down to all you mystery writers. <laughs> it is, it is very tough. Um, so that, you know, I don't know if I could just bang that out, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. You said you wrote your second book. Have you already sold that to Berkeley? I did because they, uh, on, yeah, on the phone actually with, with them, they they asked if I had anything else, and I, I had this idea for um, a rom com and pitched it, and they liked it. So I, I, by some miracle, got this two book deal. So I, I then had this. April 2021 deadline to turn it in. And I was pregnant in my second trimester. And I was like, I'm going to do it. And I was so <laughs> miserable. It was a really hard pregnancy, my second one, but I somehow did it. And I can't lie. I feel pretty badass <laughs> about that. Yeah, like, you, 
my daughter was born two weeks later after I turned it in. So yeah, I guess it's the third trimester then. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Second and third trimester. (laughs) Yeah. Dude, pregnancy is no joke. And it's crazy how different each pregnancy is. Like, like the second one was like wildly different. Also, I think it was harder because I already had a toddler. So I think that was harder because like you can't just like like the first pregnancy you're like I'm I just need to stay in bed all day because like my body hurts or whatever I'm sick I'm throwing up Uh and the second one you're like oh well I guess I'll play with you because I I guess I'll feed you because you're alive I guess we'll go to the park sure (laughs) yeah I don't think I've ever been more tired in my life like once the baby was born even though she's not a good sleeper it's actually easier when I was yeah for me too for me too yeah everyone was like oh it gets so much harder when they're you know doing like not sleeping through the night and i was like well i wasn't sleeping through the night anyways i felt like, I felt like trash so yes. <laughs> it feels great it's much better now oh yes exactly yeah i'm not incubating my whole body belongs only to me for most yes. of the day yeah most of the day. um <laughs> Awesome. Well, I am so happy that you came on the show and I really enjoyed your book. Um, I will drop links, you guys, uh, to the copy of the book so you guys can pick up your own copies. Um, And yeah, any other parting thoughts that you'd like to tell our dear listeners? No, thank you so much for having me and like reading the book so closely. It was so fun chatting with you about all things Armenian rom-com. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. Well, dear listeners, until next time, may your books be your lover and your hands your best friend. Bye for now, kids. Thanks for hanging in with us, romance readers. Head over to Instagram to continue chatting with us. We're super friendly. We want to cackle with you. We want to know what your favorite sex scene was. And we need more book recommendations. If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.